So we've reached the halfway point of Jesus through the centuries. And if I timed this evenly, we'd be around 1,000 right now. But since I didn't spread it out evenly, we're about eight centuries later. So just to recap what we've done so far, the first week we did Jesus as a rabbi and Jesus as king of kings in the Roman Empire. So that's first century and fourth century. And then last week we did atonement theories, which focused on Anselm, and that's going to be around the 12th century or so. So now this week we're going to jump way ahead to the end of the 18th century and talk about one very important theologian and one very important statesman. So let's start with the statesman first, which is Thomas Jefferson. The beginning of the Enlightenment in the 18th century brought with it a great deal of skepticism about the worldview and the science that's in the Bible. So the, the idea of a cosmic Christ, the idea the universe is created through Jesus, that there's a kind of order that's found in Christ who exists before any creation does, begins to feel unbelievable to a lot of people. So thinkers in the wake of the Enlightenment are focusing less on metaphysics and focusing more on historical views of Jesus. Thomas Jefferson is one example of how the quest to get a pure or reclaimed version of Christianity plays itself out. Jefferson believed that, quote, a purified Christianity could promote moral health in the actual setting of 18th century America. When he was in his mid-40s, Jefferson noted that he'd always had a hard time with Christian doctrines like the Trinity. So he was trying to get the useful, helpful stuff from Jesus without the doctrines he found cumbersome and irrelevant. The teachings of Jesus needed to be extracted from the Gospels that they were buried in. Jefferson once said that his project was, quote, abstracting what is really Jesus's from the rubbish in which it is buried, easily distinguished by its luster from the dross of his biographers, and is separable from that as the diamond from the dunghill. Jefferson got out his scissors and started making cuts. The Smithsonian Museum actually has a copy of one of his Bibles where he cut out stuff he wanted to keep and left everything else to rest on the proverbial dunghill. The first attempt he made at a new gospel he put together in two or three nights, he claimed. And he did this in 1804 while he was president. And then in 1820, toward the end of his life, he made another attempt and wrote what he called The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth, extracted textually from the gospels in Greek, Latin, French, and English. And what strikes you looking at the story of Jesus he ended up with is that he cuts off the beginning and the end. So no prologue from John's Gospel about the Word that was God and was with God. No virgin birth, no annunciation. And the story ends with the disciples rolling a stone over Jesus' tomb and then leaving him. So no resurrection either. What Jefferson is left with is what Pelican calls a, quote, teacher of common sense. The focus is on his teachings here and on the morality of love and service, which has nothing to do with the Trinity or the divinity of Christ. There's a similar ethos in a letter that Ben Franklin wrote at the end of his life to Ezra Stiles, who was the president of Yale at the time. And I'm going to read it at length because it echoes Jefferson's views nicely. Quote, As to Jesus of Nazareth, my opinion of whom you particularly desire, I think the system of morals and religion as he left to us the best the world ever saw or is likely to see. But I apprehend it has received various corrupting changes, and I have, with the most present dissenters in England, some doubts as to his divinity, though it is a question I do not dogmatize upon, having never studied, and think it needless to busy myself with it now, 
when I expect soon an opportunity to know the truth with less trouble, close quote. The second person we're going to be talking about is a guy named Friedrich Schleiermacher, a German theologian from the end of the 18th century and the beginning of the 19th century. And he's the leader of the Romantic school of thought about Jesus. And romantic here meaning a focus on the individual, on spirituality, and on transcending your environment. So Schleiermacher's theology rests on something called God consciousness. And a God consciousness is your innate connection with God. So everybody has a God consciousness. But our God consciousness is clouded. It's unable to communicate with God correctly. It's kind of plugged up. But Jesus has a perfectly clear God consciousness, which means that the light of God shines perfectly through him. So Schleiermacher considers Jesus the archetype or the perfected version of what it means to be a human. And by giving you his spirit, Jesus makes it possible for you to have a perfect God consciousness too. So if you think back to Jefferson, the thing Jesus gives you is his teaching. But for Schleiermacher, the thing Jesus gives you is the spirit. So Schleiermacher's project is basically to come up with a Christian theology that can stand up to modern Enlightenment thinkers. One of his earliest books was even called On Religion, Speeches to Its Cultured Despisers. You can find a similar vein of thought in Ralph Waldo Emerson's famous graduation speech to the Harvard Divinity School class of 1838. It was an extremely controversial speech, and Harvard actually banned him from campus until after the Civil War because of it. And the gist of the lecture was that these newly minted clergy needed to stop focusing so much on the person of Jesus, who he was and what he did, and focus more on the spirit that was in Jesus. Jesus, Emerson suggested, saw with an open eye the mystery of the soul, and he was able to live truly in a way that you and I cannot. Jesus was divine, he suggested, because, quote, through him God acts, through me speaks. Would you see God see me, or see thee when thou thinkest as I now think, close quote. Meaning basically that Jesus isn't any different from any other person. What's different is that he lives in a way that his soul is purely connected to God. And what Jesus did what is something we can do too if we're given his spirit and we can think the same way he does. So what you see here in Jefferson and Schleiermacher and Emerson is one response to the Enlightenment, a way of thinking and talking about Jesus that has less to do with history, less to do with metaphysics, less to do with things that happen away or apart from us and a greater focus on the individual experience of being given Jesus' teaching or Jesus' spirit. Next week, we're going to wrap up by jumping ahead to the 20th century, and then we're going to be talking about the man who belonged to everyone, which is the final essay in Pelican's book.